What is up, prayer watchers? Thank you so much for joining us this midnight hour, wherever you are. It might be 11 o'clock where you're at. It might be 12 in the afternoon, (laughs) but we just want to thank you so much for tuning in live to Midnight Prayer Watch. I am your most humble host, Delta coming back at you for another Midnight Prayer Watch Live. And oh, do we have some special stuff, some special Holy Spirit-filled guest appearance, everything you can think of in store for you tonight. I'm just so honored and so completely flattered that I have an opportunity to be in the presence of a missionary. Yes, he is a pastor. (laughs) He has had time in the field and he's giving us time to give you an opportunity to talk to him, to answer some questions about his time in the field. And this is just a, a great opportunity for us at Midnight Prayer Watch to just partner with those in the body of believers that are out there doing the work. We always talk about getting it out the mud. We always talk about those people that are walking the walk and talking the talk. And this gentleman right here is absolutely that. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you all to my very special guest, Mr. Mike McGinty. Mike, can you hear us? I hear you just fine. I want to give Mike the floor and just give him an opportunity to introduce himself to all our prayer watchers. Tell us a little bit, Mike, about who you are, what you've done, and then we'll jump right into kind of the questions that the uh, Midnight Prayer Watchers have for you. Great. Well, my name is Mike McGinty, as Delta said, and my wife and I, my wife's name is Rowena, and we were privileged to be missionaries in Japan for 34 years. We went out in 1984. 1984. Now you think back, and we've been back from Japan a little over three years now as we entered another life and another ministry role. But uh, I'm from Houston, Texas. My wife is Canadian. She was a missionary. Her parents were missionaries in uh, Malaysia, so she was born there. And so he ended up in, in Japan and serving there in various capacities. If Delta asked me to say what we did, In some ways, it's almost easier to say what we didn't do because we did so many different things. Just to kind of summarize that we've been married almost 45 years and we moved 30 30 times. So that says we've done a lot of different things. Mm. And either I'm not good at anything and I keep moving around or (laughs) it's really my nature to just kind of a starter, not a maintainer. So Mm -hmm. we were part of five church plants in Japan, leading the teams there exciting. I basically have five church families in Japan that we all know and love. Uh, We uh, started up various ministries, uh, short-term ministries. We ran a school. Uh, I was the director of our work in Hokkaido. That's the northernmost island of Japan, if you know Mm. your Japanese geography. And then I was the director of our mission, OMF International, which is the largest uh, Protestant mission in Japan, uh, doing that towards the end of our time. But our, probably our most unplanned ministry was doing relief work ministry after the great earthquake in 2011, oh, wow. when uh, the largest earthquake in recorded history, which actually shifted the earth on its axis. Uh, we went in 
to run a two-year relief program, uh, even though we had no experience doing that. And that was a very interesting experience in our lives of doing that and very thankful for the opportunity to go and be the hands and feet of Christ in a different way mm-hmm. and serving different people. So that's kind of in a nutshell of the things we've done. So now my role is to recruit people for Japan. So mm-hmm. anyone on this call tonight has a special interest in Japan, wants to serve there, I'm the guy to talk to. So we'd love to talk to you and hear your heart. But also just a privilege to join you on this call tonight because this is a group that prays. And mm-hmm. our mission historically is a mission that values prayer very much. We're an old mission. It used to be called China Inland Mission. Started mm-hmm. in 1865 by a well-known uh uh, missiological person, Hudson mm-hmm. Taylor, went into the interior of China and took the gospel there. And he believed in praying and moving men to pray in order to supply their needs. And very amazing uh, story. If you ever read any biographies of Hudson Taylor, you'll be blessed by it, but a man of prayer. So it's good to be hanging out with people tonight that yeah. pray. And <laughs> we believe in the power of prayer. So thank you for tuning in. Yes, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Amazing how many years I was just kind of back again in the in the first time I heard that. And I know you were talking a little bit about your time specifically in Japan and how you and your wife, Rowena, you know, were led in that space. And I've had an opportunity to and been able to talk to her and been honored to have a conversation about how she got to a point where she was like, I'm going to Japan. (laughs) So I wanted to jump into one of the questions that our prayer watcher community actually asked, when did you know that you were being called to be a missionary? Yeah, that that is a a good question and a difficult question to answer. Uh, This whole idea of calling uh, is Delta just mentioned. We're all called to serve God. Uh, that's not something just for the missionary. So they take this term calling, which is often put in a missiological context. It's like, well, missionaries are special. Mm-hmm. And th- the only thing different about our calling is we take it cross-cultural. We take it to another country, another culture, another language group. But we all should be called to serve God. So if you want to talk about my initial calling to be a child of God and to walk with God, that happened when I was 17. Uh, I was raised in a a church and thought I was a Christian and uh, my life was coming unraveled. My parents' uh, marriage ended in divorce. I was living on my own, had a lot of freedom and with freedom, I did a lot of dumb things. And, (laughs) but I had enough of God's truth in my life from attending church that I knew what I was doing was wrong. And uh, God just broke through to my life (laughs) one night as a 17 year old and, and I convinced I was going down the wrong path. And like Jesus talked about the narrow gate and the, uh, uh, you know, the wide gate. And I realized I was heading on the wide gate and wanted to go through the narrow gate. And so my turnaround was very dramatic. Mm. Uh, I sensed the Lord was calling me to be his child and to serve him. And for me, I understood that was full time. Mm. And I, the only thing I knew about full-time was being a pastor. I didn't know anything about missions. So obedience for me, serving God full-time, was going to be a pastor. And so that is the, the track I started going down initially. And, and that's what obedience looked like for me. 
in, in serving God. And so I chose the college I went to on the basis of that and uh, planned to go to seminary after that. I had it all figured out. And but I realized that God often has surprises for us and God's purposes for our life mm-hmm. come into sharper focus as time goes by, as we learn to lean into him, as we learn to trust him as our faith matures. And so the form came for me was in my senior year of college, I'd already applied for seminary. I started dating a girl who was uh, her parents were missionaries and, uh, and missions was very important to her. She wanted to become a missionary and I was interested in this girl. So, so you talk about the calling of God. It comes in lots of different forms. So uh, I told her I was interested in missions too, not really knowing what I was talking about. And we ended up getting married. And, uh, and I thought, well, I may as well the end of that missions talk. And, but I loved her and I wanted to know, understand her better. So we started hosting a missions prayer meeting in our apartment in seminary. And then we decided to take a bigger step and go on a missions trip for the summer to Thailand in mm-hmm. 1979. And, you know, I had never hardly been outside of the country. Uh, unlike her, I had very little cross-cultural experiences. My big cross-cultural experience up until then was going from Texas to go to college in New York. And that was quite a jump for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but going to Thailand for the summer was a game changer for me. Wow. Because while I was there, I realized... Almost none of these people know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there are no churches anywhere in sight. Uh, less than 1% of the population is Christian. And so it started changing the way I looked at the world, the way I started looking at God's calling on my life. Mm-hmm. It started changing the way I looked at my own culture. I came back and I was, my own culture was not as important as I used to, as it used to be. And so the questions started shifting in my mind ever so subtly from why should I go to instead, why should I stay? Mm. Because there were so many churches here in North America and I grew up in the church here and I heard the good news in so many different angles, radio, TV, churches everywhere, friends that were Christians. And I went to Thailand and I saw that's not available there. And I, mm. as I learned more, I realized that's true for large portions of the world, mm-hmm. and particularly Southeast Asia, which we seem to be focusing in on. So that's where it was a subtle shift for me bit by bit. I believe God doesn't often always tell us the big step we have to take in one sweet, you know, one big move. Mm-hmm. It's a series of acts of obedience where, okay, I'll step through this door. Okay, I'll step through this door. Okay, I'll step through this door. And God leads us. And we don't know where those doors are going to lead a lot of times. And mine eventually led to Japan. And I never, ever, ever expected to become a missionary. I had never been to Japan. (laughs) Unlike many people today that are interested in Japan, like anime or Mm -hmm. Japanese pop music, I didn't have any of that. And so we went to Japan in 1984 as missionaries. We didn't come back for our first five years. You didn't travel back and forth in those days no internet. So it was a big step when I finally got to the point where you get on the plane and leave and don't come back. Uh, I was like, what did I do to myself? And, uh, I've made a commitment here that's that's changed my life forever. And it did. Mm-hmm. And it did take a while for us to make the changes and to adjust to it. But uh, we're thankful for the opportunity we had to go and to serve there. I raised mm-hmm. my three kids there. 
And now I have three grandkids over there as well. So we're thankful for God's faithfulness in leading us there in ways I never, ever anticipated uh, as a young believer. And now I look back and I think, wow, how did that happen? And you just right. realized it was a process. Yeah, that's amazing, Mike. I think you hit it right on the head when you said that the Lord will sometimes not give you the full picture. And we always want to know the beginning, the middle and the end. But sometimes it's just that one door, that one step. He's saying, OK, get to this point, because in my mind, whenever I have that conversation with him, it sounds like to me he's saying, OK, because you can't handle the rest of this. So you're going to need to just get this one step because I know you're going to be overwhelmed or I know I know you better than you know. Right. He knew us before yeah. we were formed in the womb. So I definitely identify with that because it's it almost feels like. Should I take this step? I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, the anxiety behind it and the uncertainty, because, of course, we always want to know all the answers. But, he, yeah. you know, he's looking for that faithful generation. And just you saying that took me back to that um, that phase that I was in where I was like, I'm hesitant because I don't know what's going to happen. Sure. Next. Well, let me teach your audience one Japanese word tonight, which kind of captures what I was just talking about. And it's the word ipo ipo. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Ipo ipo. Remember that? Yeah. And it means step by step. Uh, and so the, the, it was a Japanese term that we knew before. And we look, we uh, knew the word. But when we went to do relief work and we got digging down into relief work and all the craziness of that and the unpredictability of it, mm -hmm. and we wanted to give our relief work a name, we came upon that name, Ipo Ipo, hmm. uh, because it, it signified many things to us. It signified, first of all, moving in step of the spirit, which we had to do because every day the rules were changed and what was expected was changed. And so, God, you're in charge of this and we depend utterly on you. Ipo Ipo, we're going to walk with you. But mm -hmm. also we wanted to walk Ipo Ipo in step with the people who had lost everything, mm. uh, their livelihoods, their families, uh, their homes and so to understand what their needs were and walk with them so when that relief work ended we realized that's really what god calls us to do ipo ipo a lot of times we don't know the next step in life mm -hmm. uh we just are where the steps are leading we just keep moving forward and god reveals things to us as he needs and it's been my experience more often than not that we don't know where these things are going but god just calls us a life of obedience and faithfulness yeah and that will take you in some surprising directions at times. Mm, some yes. exciting directions too. Very exciting. <laughs> and some scary directions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always going to be that that scare, right? Because then if you're not feeling that nervousness, then how are you going to overcome that feeling? I always find that those things that are easy, you don't value as much. But the one, the hardship, the hard time, the, oh my goodness, this path, like I'll never forget this you'll value that like no other thing. And I love what you said with the Ipo Ipo. So prayer watchers, you guys are catching all kinds of these revelations and some Japanese language. Go ahead and start taking notes because Pastor Mike is dropping all of the prayer enlightenment tonight. But our prayer watcher community wanted to also know what was it like living as a foreigner? And as you said, like never having been outside the country, never really having a true like, desire to learn about Japan and the culture and things like that going in, what was that experience like for you? 
very difficult. <laughs> so, but you know, we're we're all products of our environment. Mm-hmm. You know, we all are, and and so to break out of that environment, to break out of our usual way of thinking, our usual way of doing things, our usual way of seeing the world, it it, it it's frightening. It's yeah. unsettling, and so. I talk to so many people now where travel is, is it's a much more common thing now. And people who have had mission trips in various parts of the world, they've traveled places, they meet international students in their in their schools, they read they they have international neighbors. So there's a lot more the world has gotten smaller in many, many ways since my days and I went out to the mission. So you're having an opportunity to expand and get exposed to different things. Right? I came from Houston, Texas, where everybody looked like me, everybody talked like me. Mm-hmm. And and so, but God is gracious and that he's stretching us in ways yes. we need to be stretched, even when we're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. So not being a particularly adventuresome sort, uh, God led me as a new Christian to go to college in New York. And it was a big step for me to get on that plane and first time to fly on a plane and, and go up there. I didn't know anybody. And I wow. got to New York and I found out, People don't talk the way I do. <laughs> People don't eat some of the same stuff I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't think the way I do. Mm-hmm. Some of their values are different from mine. They do mm-hmm. church a little differently than I do. And they dress a little differently than I do. And, and it was my first exposure really to, to my world getting stretched out. And so when you go overseas, it is a mega leap. There's no way around it. I, I work with people who want to go overseas as missionaries. And one of the first questions I ask them, well, have you been overseas? Have you had any cross-cultural experiences? Because to always live in the same little bubble, you know, to go to school there, to to get married there, to work there, and then all of a sudden think you're going to go overseas and, and live and everything will go fine, where a different culture and different language uh, is asking for trouble. Yeah, that's uh, what we because, call zero to a hundred, Mike. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't, I don't advise that. Mm-hmm. And people that have very minimal uh, cross-cultural experience, I encourage them to move out of your state for a while, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. go, go, hang around with some international students. But for me, my experience, it was, I went with a wife who was more foreign experience than me, and we went with a two-year-old. Uh, and fortunately with our mission, they helped us with that transition, but it was a few years before I started feeling comfortable, uh, in Japan and making that jump because it's not just going to another culture, learning a new language. Uh, you're, you're leaving behind everything that's familiar with you, to you. You're leaving behind your support groups, your, your small group, you're leaving behind your church, you're leaving behind your, your family, your, Mm. your friends. And you get over there and you're starting all over again. Mm. And on top of that, you're doing it in a culture that you're totally unused to, mm-hmm. uh, in a language that you don't know. And on top of that, they're driving the wrong side of the road. <laughs> Everything just seems upside down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's a real shock to the system. Mm. And a lot of people say, hey, this will be exciting to do that. And I'll say, yeah, there's the exciting part of it. But there's also the hard part to it. And but the great thing, the great thing about things being hard is when you are forced to lean into God in new and intentional ways. Mm. When it's 
the problem's bigger than you. When you think, I can't cope with this, and this is going to be a challenge. Well, guess what? Rather than leaning in your own experiences, which you have none of, mm. or leaning on your knowledge of a language, which you don't possess yet, yep. or leaning on to friends who you've not made yet, you lean on God. And God is, can be trusted, and God will go with you. And that's, that's what we learned. You know, I think it took us deeper. Mm-hmm. Missionaries aren't deeper because we're more spiritual people. Uh, in some ways, it's because we've been forced to lean into God in harder ways because so much has been stripped away from us. So, wow. uh, so I don't count that as a loss by any stretch of the imagination. I count that as a privilege. Wow. And I, I wonder what kind of person I would have been if I've not had those opportunities to be stretched and to, and to trust God in new ways where it, 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 it uh, deepened me in ways I'll always be thankful for. And it's a privilege to do that. Now I look back as an older man, I didn't say old yet, say older man. <laughs> and uh, I look back and 34, how did I spend over three decades in Japan? How did I do that? And it just like, again, back to that EPO, EPO concept, mm-hmm. a day to time, trust God, get through this and and before you know it your god has carved out a home for you god has mm-hmm. carved out a niche for you god has given you uh, new friends to, to help replace the loss of your friends and family back home god has given you a ministry mm-hmm. and you've had a chance to impact people on an eternal level and there's nothing nothing more exciting than that so uh i Often wonder about the life I might have had here, but no regret. Wow, that is amazing, Mike. I think when you were saying about the, you know, you leaning into God, it took me back to the scripture where it says it's not by my might or by my power, mm-hmm. but by your spirit. And that's something that we advocate for our prayer watchers just to remember that as much as we want to do it out of our own flesh, as much as we want to take credit for something That is not what the Lord is putting us in position for, especially when we're talking about ministry, especially when we're talking about him entrusting us with his children and his people and the go do the the commission and and the great work that's happening, you know, just across every country and every part of the globe. And that takes me to um, the main scripture for today's interview with you. So in Acts 1, 8, when the word talks about how Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, this is after when Jesus was telling his disciples, like, hey, I've got to go so that you can get Holy Spirit, because trust me, he's what you need. And so when he was just just kind of, you know, I think consoling the disciples more so, this is just my interpretation of the atmosphere when he was speaking to them he was telling them about what things are going to happen and how almost like encouragement that, hey, you're going to get Holy Spirit and he's where it's at. And then you're going to go be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the end of the earth. And just thinking about that in terms of the call to the mission field is there anything, Mike, that you want to comment on that? Or is that um, something that you've kind of felt as far as the, the leading or the calling that may have been a guiding light for you? I mean, that's one of the famous passages used for missions, uh, Acts 1-8, after the ascension of Christ. And and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest and say I'm not one of these touchy-feely persons 
where, you know, this, this passage just resonates me on a deep emotional level. It's more like what God has called us to do and, mm. and who we are as his children. And it's like breathing in a way. Uh, so I, I don't consider myself as having the gift of evangelism, but I did the work of evangelism. And again, it gets back to God calls us to lives of faithfulness and obedience. Yeah. And if you're being faithful to what he has revealed to you, and if you're obeying him, these things will happen as a course of your life, as part of the normal day of your life. It's not just the missionaries. It's the, the people who live next door to you, the people that you rub shoulders with at work or in school or in your family. You have opportunities to to meet with them and to share your life with them. Mm-hmm. And God's spirit, it fills you, will overflow to others. And I think we... We experience that time and time again in Japan. Of course, we're more intentional. We're trying to plant a church. And as always my mind, I'm a very goal-oriented person. And churches grow by people coming to faith. And uh, so sometimes I might make it a little bit more of a me working hard type of thing than I should have. But uh, the hardest work has to be done by the Holy Spirit, obviously, and leaning into him. And I found when I did that, which you always wish you did more of it than you did, that God surprises and mm, it tells mm. story after story of people coming to faith in ways I never expected, ways I did not plan, ways that I did not strategize. And yet God has his people. Uh, he is going to call out and he uses weak people like me, like you, <laughs> in order to accomplish his purposes. And that's, yeah. that's just a great thing to be you know, a tool in God's hands. It's not that I'm just the greatest tool in the world. It's just that God's a master craftsman, and he just asks for us, our availability. Yeah, he does use the least of us. And just Mm -hmm. having that humble spirit, it just, it definitely puts you in a different mindset. So, I mean, we feel like we were at the end of the earth in Japan in some ways. (laughs) Uh, When I was a kid, you know, we had these globes. Everyone had, there's everybody probably had one globe in their house, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of semi-decoration. You look on the other side, there's Japan. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it was it was i knew nothing about japan and, wait wait uh, wait 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 you didn't think that you were gonna fall on the flat side of the earth <laughs> no, 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 i had a little more education than that but uh, <laughs> it was a part of the world i never thought i'd get to is mm-hmm. part of the world i had no interest in i had no calling to mm-hmm. i had no you know connection to whatsoever and to think that god took this texan his monocultural Texan and moved him to the other side of the world. And I lived there for over three decades and required his work there. It, it's just a God thing. And, yeah. and anything that happened was a God thing and mm-hmm. not about me at all. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the only thing that you could say about those kinds of things. Right. So, well, that definitely felt like, you know, Holy Spirit is really giving us a lot of information and insight through your experience and through your testimony and and even just, you know, hearing again, this is probably my third time hearing it. (laughs) And it still feels so like, you know, it, it encourages me even as I continue to seek the Lord. And I know it's encouraging our audience and our prayer watchers as they're maybe just even thinking about you know, that dream they had about a certain country, or maybe they're thinking about um, something the Lord told them. And it may have been a while ago. And just Mm -hmm. you 
kind of talking through, you know, how it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> and it doesn't have to be this strong call to a certain place, but that he can use you wherever you are, or he can take you somewhere that you never thought you could be at. And just, you know, it's, it's about what he does in that moment, in that place inside of your, your hands and your feet. And we talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus and it truly is just, it's amazing. And it's, you know, it's, it's incomprehensible how powerful our God is and he can use us, you know, us, the dust <laughs> that can be used to go and do his work is just awesome. So Mike, coming back to you, when it comes to some of the things that our prayer watchers really wanted to know, it's being a missionary, I think, comes with some myths People don't know uh, word of mouth what missionary lifestyle could be like, or there are also some misconceptions about being a missionary. So can you give us kind of some insight? Uh, what was the missionary lifestyle really like in Japan? And maybe try to debunk some of the myths that are out there, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. living homely lives or <laughs> living in shanties on the beach. Who knows what's out there? <laughs> well, for whatever culture you go to, not just Japan, I look at people who want to be missionaries and I talk to them and uh, I, I look for certain things in them. I don't look that they necessarily know everything about missions or that they know a language yet or that they had all the Bible training. I would we eventually want them to get. I look for more character issues. You know, are they teachable? Mm. Are they are they willing to learn? If you're not willing to learn. Do not go to the mission field. <laughs> it will not go well for you. There you go. Uh, are you flexible? <laughs> are you willing to change uh, in order to accommodate yourself to uh, to learn another language, to learn how to do things in a different culture? And are you humble enough to, to do that as well? So there's certain basic things that you need to come in with an attitude in order for you to make these transitions because you have to change. Because mm-hmm. the gospel does not change. The word of God does not change. But how you communicate it, how you package it uh, are, are very much relevant on the culture that you're in. So for us going to Japan, it, it, it's very different. I, I put like America and Japan as far apart as you can expect from a nation. So how, how different they are, even mm-hmm. though they're both fairly wealthy countries, technologically savvy, uh, but the way Japanese think and the way Americans think, very different. Americans love freedom and love the individual and independent thinking, or the Japanese think freedom can get you in trouble. Mm. You know, you decide things by the group. And if you if you have an individual opinion, you don't raise your hand. You wait till you kind of all reach a consensus to do this. So uh, for this independent Texan, I had to undo a lot of the way I do things. Mm. And it's not that what I did was wrong and what they did is right or vice versa. It's just different. So the big word we use in missions is called contextualization. Contextualization. It means to study the context and adapt yourself to it. So we go out to eat with some someone in a restaurant and they got foods we've never seen before on all these little dishes. We don't know what sauces for what. We don't know how you eat this or what order you eat it, you know, and who starts and, and <laughs> whatever. We watch. 
and mm. we, we follow, we copy. We missionaries are great copycats. <laughs> and so we watch them and learn. And so that's how we do a lot of things. So guess what? I've been in Japan 34 years. I come back to America. I'm living in Texas again. And you know what I'm doing? I'm contextualizing. I'm watching, <laughs> watching. the Texas. I'm watching what they do. You know, is this acceptable? Do I do it this mm-hmm. way? And 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 it's it's like that. And and when you're in a foreign culture, you're of course you learn the obvious things like language. Mm-hmm. But language occurs in the context of life. And mm. you know, they don't eat food the way you eat it. They they don't use the same utensils. They don't eat the same kind of food. You know, it is not served in the same order. It's mm-hmm. it. it just everything is different and when you get in a car and you're driving on the left hand side of the road everything is different the stick shift it seems like it's on the wrong side my wife and i still get the 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 two things we have problems getting straight still driving the states is the windshield wiper and the turn signal on opposite sides of the car oh no yeah everything else you just kind of automatically shift over when you get in i don't know how many times i want to put my turn signal on and i end up washing the window so uh, it, it just happens Mm-hmm. So you, you you study and a lot of that stuff becomes natural, but you should never stop being a learner. Mm-hmm. It's critical. But I think that's true of all life. And when you're trying to relate to people and when you're trying to introduce God to people, mm-hmm. you think about what's the appropriate way to do. You have to study the context, listen to them, be sensitive to what they're saying so that you will know what to say or what not to say. And it just requires a learner spirit all the time. So. Yeah. Uh, it, that requires humility and it requires humility. So that's why I look for those traits more than anything else. And so I'm becoming a missionary. I, I could sit here and talk to you all night long about all the crazy things I experienced or some of the stupid things I've done. And there are plenty, <laughs> there's quite a record of that, but uh, it, it, it is different and it requires us to be different mm. and have an attitude of being willing to change and accommodate ourselves because we're not there to make their country like ours. We're there introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that's easiest for them to understand him and to receive Mm -hmm. him. That's good right there, Mike. Well, I think in line with the same question that we had is just talking about, I think this really just caveats into it is um, how different is the culture when it comes to the customs? I know I started to study some of that and I was mentioning that to you is like, that was to me probably the most uh, shifting that I had to do in trying to prepare my mind for going into and being a part of not just being an observer, but actually incepting myself in a new culture and the customs and how it would truly kind of challenge me to to really embrace things that maybe didn't make any sense to me. I think one of the things that I remember um my uh, language instructor was telling me was that if you ever leave work and go on vacation, you have to come back with a gift <laughs> because it's a, I forgot the name. It's a, a Japanese terminology for it. Uh, Mike, you might know it, but um, it's like you're telling your coworkers, I'm sorry for giving your work to me that you had to take over while I was gone. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just, you know, there's so many rules and guidelines. So can you give us some insight about how you felt like that was truly a disparity in the culture from being mm-hmm. American versus in the Japanese culture? Well, that concept you talked about is kayasu. It means payback. You feel you have to pay back. And you don't want to be in debt to anybody. Mm. And you want to be obligated to anybody. You want to pay back all your debts. 
But I, I found the hardest thing is, is that in studying culture, there's parts where it's different mm-hmm. uh, and it's neutral. And there's parts where it's different and it's wrong. Mm. And and so we have to be careful in not going jumping to the this is wrong and condemning it and standing up against it to where I realize it's different. Most of it's just different. And so the Japanese church is different than the American church in mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of different ways I can't go into in the limited time we have. But I found that who I am as a person, I had to modify who I I, I am very opinionated. Mm. I'm I'm quick to give opinions and uh and that's kind of my leadership style. And and yet I had to be careful putting my opinions out there because you just don't do that in a Japanese culture. There's a right way and a wrong way to introduce opinions. And there's a right way and a wrong way to lead. So I, I led, I was in charge of all these church plants, in charge of various ministries. But the way I led in those meetings, the way I would lead would be very different, I learned over the years, and where I made some mistakes and inserting my opinions prematurely in the wrong ways and trying to get an outcome I thought that would be helpful. So some of it happens through trial and error. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're not going to avoid all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're going to make them. But the question is, do you learn from your mistakes? Right. If you don't learn from your mistakes, then you're a fool and you're not teachable. And mm-hmm. I think this idea of having a learner spirit, again, is a spiritual aspect to that of humility and grace and, and coming to you don't have all the answers and asking God to teach you because the rules all change when you go to a different culture. Mm-hmm. And some of them are quite funny and you have a good laugh at yourself and some of them are quite embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And some of them can be very harmful to your ministry if you're not uh, aware of them and, and uh, in tune to what is going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, to your point, the the main goal being over there and being used by the Lord is that you're not turning people off, right? So that they are open and they're actually willing to listen to what you're there to say or the, the conversation that you're having. And how do you expect someone to actually take you seriously <laughs> or to consider what you're what you're saying uh, when you're giving them the good news about Jesus and they ne- may never heard of that when you're disrespecting you know them by keeping your shoes on when you come in the house just because your feet are cold right so uh, well the Japanese are very gracious in mm-hmm. overlooking things I think they think by nature as foreigners we're just going to do dumb things and we do <laughs> Uh, they're far more gracious than we are in, in making cultural mistakes. Mm. But when you repeat them or when you do them with an attitude of arrogance, that's when it gets you in trouble. Mm. Uh, so anyway, I've, uh, I said I've made my mistakes. But if you're, if you're humble, then they, that covers a multitude of sins, so to speak. And they'll <laughs> overlook that. And I don't know how many mistakes I've made. The Japanese have kindly look past that. So uh, I've, I've learned to, I'm an object of grace many times. There we go. He gives us grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So I know that's, that's one of those scriptures that we definitely have to continue to keep close to our hearts um, mm-hmm. to make sure that we're not puffed up, you know, when it comes mm-hmm. to that. So we have that genetic disposition to being stiff necked. So we've got to put that down sometimes. <laughs> But Mike, I think um, those were the questions that our prayer watchers had an opportunity to ask. Um, 
during our Prayer Watch Community exclusive opportunity to talk to you beforehand. Um, I know you really have a burden and a heart for those people that are, you know, seeking out an opportunity that the Lord may be bringing them to in the missionary field. So I just want to invite you in to um, having an intercessory prayer for those that are tuning in or may even listen to this afterwards, um, after we tape this live, uh, to just pray over those people that the Lord may have brought to this particular platform to hear your story, to hear your experiences, um, and to just give them, you know, some encouragement on what the Lord may be saying to their heart. Lord God, it. We thank you that you are the God of grace. You're the God of second chances. You're the God of mercy. And you are the God who cares passionately for each one of us, no matter what country we're in, no matter what state or city we live, no matter uh, our personalities or our, our gender or our ethnic group or language we speak, that you care for each one of us. And Father, we're overwhelmed by that. We're overwhelmed with your knowledge of us. We're overwhelmed by your care for us. And we're overwhelmed by your goodness. And Father, I just pray for each participant in this call tonight, or they may have a sense of your presence in their lives in a very special way, not in just this fleeting moment, but in the days that come, that wherever they are, in whatever walk of life they're in, they would recommit themselves to following you wholeheartedly, that they would have teachable hearts, they have obedient spirits, and no matter how discouraged they may be by whatever circumstances they're facing, they would have eyes of faith to, to trust you with whatever is in front of them today. Yes. Whatever that next epo may be for them in the step of life that you've called them to enter in, Lord, may they have joy in serving you. May they have faith in walking with you. May they have uh, clearness of understanding who you are, even when they don't understand what you called them to do in many places. We pray for your blessing upon each one. We pray for your opening doors of ministry and lives of fruitfulness uh, for them to take people beyond their comfort zone to places where they may actually be scared to follow you and uncertain about the outcome but where they know you are present and where they will follow you when they do not know what will happen. So, Father, we pray for your working among each person on this call tonight, that you would bless them, encourage them, empower them to serve you in ways maybe they have not experienced before or in new opportunities that are coming their ways or just in living lives of daily faithfulness in their jobs, in their families, in their neighborhoods. They may honor you because you are worthy of all we have to offer. Yes. And we thank you that you are God who loves us and we love you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Mike. Someone's heart <laughs> is turning back to that dream or, or is remembering that word that the Lord gave them years ago about where he wanted to take them or even the, the people that he's placed on their heart to pray for in another country or another mm -hmm. just city, even, even if it's in the same country that you're in. So I can mm -hmm. already feel the hearts are being stirred, especially 
by your testimony and, and by you praying over our prayer watcher audience. And I just want to invite the person that may be listening to us that's like, what is missions and what is this Jesus that you all keep talking about? And as we do every Midnight Prayer Watch, this is the critical moment. If there is a tugging at your heart, maybe you've thought about this already. Maybe you have um, thought through the, the opportunity that was in front of you, and maybe you thought that it wasn't the right time or wasn't the right season even to make a, a decision for the Lord. And I just want to encourage you that this is the season, <laughs> that the time is fleeting and that we are but dust. And as of um, what the Lord characterizes as our life being a vapor, you know, it's just what are you going to do with this time that he's given us? And so every Midnight Prayer Watch, we invite anyone that is ready to make a decision for the Lord that's ready to invite him into your heart to recite this salvation prayer with us. This is the call. This is what Mike and I have been talking about throughout the watch is this is the great commission is to spread the good news. And how do you start doing that, but to have a relationship with the father through Jesus Christ. So if you'll pray this prayer with us tonight, you can receive him into your heart and life and call him your Lord and Savior, and get on the path to discipleship, which may lead you to missions. So God, I come to you asking for forgiveness. I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you sent your son, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, paying the penalty for my sins. And he was raised from the grave and is alive right now and coming again. I confess you as my Lord and personal Savior, Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And so if you are praying that prayer, if you have accepted him into your heart and life just now, we are rejoicing with you. And guess what? The angels are rejoicing with you in heaven. Oh my goodness. It says in the word that everybody stops and rejoices for but one. So if you are just the one, everyone is stopping right now and having a praise party in heaven and we are rejoicing too. And if this is the first time that you've even thought about this decision and you're wondering, what do I do next? And even with Mike's story about his call to missions, that might be what the next step is for. Who knows what the next step is for you and for your relationship with the Lord. We just encourage you to get connected. But thank you again, Mike. Is there any closing words that you have for our audience before we say goodbye for the evening? I don't think so. Just privileged to share a little bit of life with you my journey and, uh, Pray for God's blessing upon each of you and your journeys and wherever that God may lead you in the days ahead. And I know, Mike, you have a blog, too, that I was reading as well after I met him that is uh, named after Epo Epo. So if you all mm -hmm. want to follow him, uh, check that blog out. It's got some amazing content. And definitely, like he talked about, the contextualization <laughs> is always there, too. Very rich in that. So anybody looking at how do I start framing my mindset into a new culture, 
definitely check out Mike's blog, Ipo Ipo, so he can give you a little bit more insight and personal uh, testimony for what he's been through. So, Mike, we'd love to have you back again, but I want to thank you for tonight. And prayer watchers, you already know, you got to stay up and stay alert and stay washed in the word. Thank <music> you.